When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, is proudly sponsored by The Terrace, the home of retro and fan culture sports merchandising. Check out their range of Forest merch by visiting theterracestore.com or visit them on social media. The 1865 Match Report. Welcome to the 1865 Match Report on the day that Forrest came back down to earth with a bump with a 4-0 home defeat uh, against Fulham. Forrest lined up with one change in the starting lineup, which is Jack Colback coming back in for James Garner. I suspect we'll talk about that a little bit later. And for the first time in a while, there's a change in the squad with Brian Ahedo replacing Joao Carvalho on the bench. Now, the match facts show that it was 4-0 to Fulham and a really, really comfortable victory. Uh, but I think that there's maybe a little bit more to talk about. And I'm joined by Baz to discuss some of that. So, Baz, give me your assessment of, of a first half where Fulham took that early lead, but then Forrest did eventually come back into it. Um, yeah, so, yeah, as you say, Fulham took an early lead and... The first 25 minutes or so, they basically completely stopped us playing. Um, Lowe and Spence couldn't get forward, and without them, and um, what's his name? Seri mm. um, was basically marking Zinkenagel, who was playing like a number 10 role, uh, marking him out of the game. And without those three players able to get on the ball and do anything with it, we were, we didn't have any way of going forwards. Um, but then towards the end of the first half, we managed to get Lowe and Spence free a bit and um, we started looking a bit more threatening. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say that... Um, we'll, we'll talk about Fulham's goal in just a second, but I think it's fair to say that for the last 15 minutes of the first half and the first 10 minutes of the second half, Forrest actually probably looked to the better team for that period of time, didn't they? Because because of being able to get the full-backs further forward and Zinkenagel managing to find just a little bit a little bit of space because Seri was running that game, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean Seri was head and shoulders above everyone else by a long way, but um, I w- and I wouldn't while we were, we matched them and we probably had the better of it, but I don't think um, we made them suffer in any way. It wasn't like that we were peppering their goals with shots. Yeah, well, let's talk about goals. So that Fulham first goal after only seven minutes, and what's really frustrating about it is number one, 
that it was not even a very good corner. Uh, and number two, it was an own goal. But number three, Steve Cooper was surprisingly critical of the referee after the match on the grounds that he's saying, we do our homework, we know that Dennis Adoy is going to block off players in the box when the ball goes in. And the ref, who was apparently a late change to the lineup, Cooper basically said, the ref didn't know that, the ref didn't realise it, he didn't react to it, and therefore we ended up conceding a goal that should have been a free kick to the Reds. There's a lot to say about the ref. I think the ref had a very, very bad game, but I don't think he changed the result, which is the key thing. I mean, for the for the first goal, I thought, yeah, Odoi went down, um, landed on the floor, and I, it felt like our entire team stopped playing because they were expecting a, a, the whistle to blow, and Mitrovic sneaked in and managed to get the... Um, I think it came off Spence, didn't it? Yeah. Um, that's what it seemed like at the time. Uh, looking back on it, yeah, it looks like Adoy blocks Worrell, I think. I think it's Worrell, yeah. Yeah, but I mean... And you'd imagine that Worrell is the man who would have been who would have been assigned to stop Mitrovic getting a free header there. Yeah, absolutely. But having said that, um, I mean, as, yeah, as I say, the, the ref had a bad game, but I don't think we can put this defeat down to the ref. No, but we will talk about him again <laughs> later. Um, so, yeah, Forrest came back into it, and I think, that, as you mentioned, the key was, because Jean-Michel Serri international footballer now let's get this quite clear okay Fulham are not near the top of the table by accident I would say man for man they had 11 players who are better than Forrest's 11 players wouldn't you definitely yeah yeah Um, within two or three minutes I was saying this is the best side we've played all season and I have to say I don't particularly rate Marco Silva as a manager I think it's just down to the fact they've got really good players and every single player as well has got a different level of experience to every single player in the Forest team as well. And that really showed through that know-how, that know- that knowledge, that ability to kind of act quickly and do the right things quickly. Mm-hmm. And and do the wrong things quickly, <laughs> which we'll probably come to later as well. Yeah. So um, let's uh, talk about Forest coming back into the match because, as you say, Seri was, was kind of controlling things. So... Although Zinconagel was struggling with that in the first half, at least as the match went on, Forrest managed to free the fullbacks a little bit because everything up to about the 30, 35 minute point, Forrest ended up having to try and go through the centre of the park. And at Jack Colback, his first few minutes were good and then he got a yellow card and then he was an absolute liability after that, wasn't he? <laughs> well, it, I said at one point, it looks like we were on for a Colback special again. Mm. Um because this is, I mean, it is it's the callback from before. Mm. Uh, the the callback we knew when he first joined us, which is uh, very, very good, but also liable to to make a fool of himself a bit. Yeah, and of course, if we remember rightly, I think Colback got 15 yellow cards in his, fir- in yep. his full season with Forrest on loan. And, and yeah, there was one or two moments where you could see he was going to go in for the tackle and he's like, oh crap, I'm on a yellow card, yeah. I can't risk it. I mean, I'd say that there, I think there were eight yellow cards. There were only two that I think would were justified, and that was Colback's yellow card early on because it was a late challenge and it mm. was one that chopped down the player. And then probably, arguably, maybe Tim Ream on on Brendan Johnson um, later in the half, where Johnson went down to the byline, tried to get past him, and Ream pulled him back. Yeah, those are standard yellow card fare. There were a lot of other yellow cards given out, as we mentioned, and again. Another talking point for a little bit later. Let's talk about Brennan Johnson, though, because Forrest managed to get the fullbacks freed a little bit. They managed to not just go down the middle of the, uh, 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 through the middle of the park. And the most dangerous moment came when Jed Spence managed to get free down the right. He 
the ball ended up coming into the box. Uh, Johnson was more or less on the penalty spot, took a swing and a miss. The ball hit his standing foot and went the wrong way. And you could see how anguished and embarrassed he was by mm. that. Um, and, I mean, that's one that got away, really, isn't it? I think um, I was saying after the game, I think probably Johnson could well do with a rest. He's had a very, very big few few weeks. Um, and he's only a young player coming into the side. Um, he looked... I think Fulham was scared of him. His mm. pace scared them. But he also looked slightly off the pace. He, he yeah. wasn't as sharp as he normally is. Well, what I was saying in the first half is we really need to be getting Johnson to be running at Tim Ream because Ream is the wrong side of 30. He's He's never been quick in the first place. And... Um, you know, he's he's a bread and butter centre-half. So if you run at him, play the ball through the feet, then that's the best chance. And we never quite managed to do that. Um, so it it was 1-0 to Fulham at half-time. And I have to say the consensus was actually, Forrester played OK. And yeah, we're a goal down and deservedly so, but there's some hope to this. You and I were also speculating that would it make more sense for Forrest to go to 4-2-3-1, take off a defender and then maybe put on an extra an extra forward so that we could try and press Fulham a bit further up the pitch. That didn't happen straight away. And, well, in a, in a sense, we almost got proven wrong because at the start of the second half, Jed Spence went down the wing and then the ball went into the box. Lewis Graben coming in from the left-hand side of the box and you just think, that's on a plate. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, I'm not even sure that Rose Ed describes it. I think he might have ended up in the top tier of the Trent end. Um, big chance, and it shows the difference between £6 million Lewis Graben and £22 million Alex Mitrovic, doesn't it? It's it's one of those... You know, like I think you, you said straight away, how you don't understand how he got so underneath it because the ball was sort of... It was quite low. He, he, to get underneath it, to raise it that high, was quite an effort. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things. It's... Everyone's going to miss a, a chance at some point, but um, you'd have, if, if, you'd, if there was anyone in the Forest side you wanted that chance to fall to, it would be Lewis Graben, and he, he managed to sky it. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and also, Lewis Graben in form, I don't... Yeah, it, it was like watching a schoolboy error, wasn't it? Yeah. It really was. Um, but strikers miss chances. Most strikers do, anyway. Let's. So if that's the first part of the pivotal few minutes in the match, the next thing happens just almost seconds later. And I really, really don't understand what happened here because Forrest midfielder, in the middle of his own box, shielded the ball, had the ball under control. The Fulham player... Yeah, turned. Fulham player went down. Not only did the ref give a free kick for something where I didn't even see a foul. Now, I could have been unsighted. He then booked the Forest player. Now, the other thing that's curious is I thought the player who got caught out there was Ryan Yates, but apparently it's Zinkenagel who was booked. So I could be wrong there. In the you know in the moment I might have mis you know misidentified the player. It wasn't a free kick. Forrest were unhappy about the free kick. They were unhappy about the yellow card. And I think it's fair to say they fell massively to sleep from the free kick, didn't they? Yeah, a uh, free kick comes in. Uh, was it Figueroa and McKenna? Yeah. So McKenna tried to intercept the ball, and then he went to try and clear it, but. Uh, I think Figs had slipped a little bit, yeah, and then they just way. yeah, and they just bumped into each other. And strikers, all strikers miss chances. Alexander Mitrovic, I think, has got fifteen, sixteen goals already this season. 
he could well be the best striker in championship history. You put it on a plate, and also he he just made it look so nonchalant. He literally mm. just just tapped the ball um, past Samba as if he was just doing a training ground exercise, and I think that was the turning point for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's not just not just the conceding the goal, but the way the the free kick and the way it all happened. That's what did it. Mm. There was a. Just to hark back to the first half, there was a moment where Toby Figueredo, I think it, I think it might have been Mitrovic, he absolutely, um, he did a proper Figueredo challenge, one of the good ones. And, you know, he had that kind of pumped up look on his face and you were saying that McKenna was really like yelling at him mm. about encouragement. And then when that happened, then Toby looked bereft mm. and McKenna looked downhearted. And you could just see that the wind had gone out of forest sails. And we paid the price, didn't we? Because the third goal came only a few minutes later. Now, it has to be said, this was a goal of real quality on the counter-attack, wasn't it? Counter-attack, they had five versus three. Um, Yeah, you'd have been surprised if they hadn't scored off that. Yeah, yeah. And it it wasn't just the numbers, it was the pace as well. Uh, They were able to just come forward as a big wave... Obviously, Forrest were chasing the game a little bit, which probably didn't help. But there you go. And that's that's definitely game over at that point, isn't it? Um, so the penalty incident was salt in the wounds, really. No arguments about the penalty. Um, the ball came in. I think it was, it was it's a set piece of some description. The ball came in and then Yates held back Adoy as he was put, trying to pull the trigger from the rebound. Now, this is why it's interesting about the Zinconagel thing earlier, because I thought it was Yates that was booked earlier, and I thought the ref may have booked Yates for the foul, for the, given the penalty, and I was thinking, well, doesn't that mean that Yates is off? Now, other people I'm sure can correct me. I've not heard anyone else talk about it in the kind of, well, hour since the match ended. But um, to be honest, all I'm going to say is it wouldn't have surprised me if the ref had booked someone twice and not sent them <laughs> off. So, um, yeah, the ref was not in control of the game, was he? No, um, I thought he was he was off the pace. I thought the 50-50s all went against us. And especially in that 10 to 15 minutes yeah. spell, every single decision was going for Fulham. And that was epitomised by the fact that after the penalty, the Fulham team piled into the Bridgeford to celebrate with the players and Brees Samba got booked for time-wasting. Yeah, or something, yeah. Or who knows? Um, there was Brennan Johnson got the elbow to the face as well. Yeah, which... and in fairness, that could have been the ref's blind side, and he needs his he needs his team of officials to help yeah. him out there. But yeah, that's one of those where in the Premier League, VAR etc etc, because I'm sure they'd have had another look at it. Um, so yeah, and then actually have to say the the the, the kind of moment of cheer came when Harry Wilson, who'd been a moaning old git all day. Um, and and also went down if anyone breathed so much as breathed on him. Um, he McKenna went in for the challenge. Wilson went flying and then got booked for the dive and then proceeded to spend the next two minutes ranting and raving. So, again, if the ref's in control, surely at least tells him to shut up, otherwise you're mm. going to be in real trouble. He didn't even didn't even look at him. I don't know. I don't know which comes out of the referee the, th- the, the, the irony of it is, um, I've, I thought that challenge on Wilson wasn't a foul and wasn't a dive, whereas all the ones before where he'd been winning the free kicks were. So Yeah, um, yeah. so it, it, it just it makes a difficult afternoon that much harder, doesn't it? 
And what was what was interesting about it is that Steve Cooper really went off on one in his post-match interview and talked a lot about the referee. So the referee was a late substitute. He was saying that thing about, you know, Forrest have done their homework on the way Fulham defend an attack and the referee didn't seem prepared for it. He also accused the ref of having made that mistake. He never really recovered. Now, we've been very, very vocal on this podcast about how Steve Cooper has done a good job of saying and doing the right things at the right times since he's come into post. This is obviously the first big test when you get absolutely battered by a team who will be, if they don't get automatically promoted, I'll eat my hat. But was this him justifiably being annoyed at an official who wasn't quite in control or was this him doing some psychology to protect his players? Um, I'd say it's a bit of both because one of the things to note is um, normally I get to listen to the, the manager's interview in the car but he'd finished his interview before we got back to the car mm. so I didn't hear it straight away um, so it might be, yeah, it's raw and it's, he's just come, up, come out of the dressing room so he's still annoyed about it, but I do think there's there's a bit of deflection in there. It's the old um, the the old mind games uh, taking the the attention away from the players and and moving it somewhere else. Yeah, I would also um, it's worth mentioning as well that the only save that either keeper had to make came when Forest were four 0 down. Joe Lolly had a free kick at the cute angle. I just thought he's going to have a go here, and and why not? And it very nearly paid off because. Rodak had to make a, a decent save at his near post with Yates, I think, coming in um, to try and snaffle it as well. So that was the only save in the match. And you look at the stats, the stats were relatively even with Fulham having um, slightly, slightly more shots. Forrest had one shot on target, which was that effort by Lolly. And Fulham had three shots on target and they scored four goals. So mm. when you're scoring more goals than you have shots on target, you know that you're having a good day. Um, so, I guess the question is, where now for Forest? Because Friday night's going to be a tough one. It's an away match at QPR, who, as QPR do under Warburton, blow hot and cold. But when they're hot, they're very hot indeed. Um, do you think, for a start, that Forest do need to make some changes to personnel, maybe rest a few players? And what do you think Cooper needs to, you know, what do you expect him to, how do you expect him to react to this defeat? I do think Johnson looks a bit tired. Um, he, he, uh, I think maybe the the or no, there, there, there was a bit towards the end where he ran the ball. He got free and he ran the ball and it looked like he he was almost getting to a one on one and it sort of overran him and he, it went out mm. for a goal kick. And I think that was that was almost like the weight of pressure on him. Yeah, he was suddenly realizing right, I'm the one who's expected to make things happen, and that's still that's a lot for him to carry. So I think he needs a bit of that taking off him. Yeah. Alternatively, and you know, I'm not saying your yours isn't the right explanation. The alternative explanation is maybe he just ran out of legs because he's played mm. a lot of football and his game is about running yeah. and running at play- players. So that's possibility. Um, of course, Alex Mighton would seem to be the logical replacement, either playing up front in a two or playing as a, yeah. in a wide position. Um, of course. The other thing I did mention at the start that Jacques Carvalho wasn't even on the bench for this one, and so we don't know what Brian Ojeda can bring. And you know, Reggie Nottingham asked Cooper about Ojeda later. I don't know if he's quite ready to play yet. I think he was in the Cooper was basically saying he was in the squad for the match day experience. Mm. 
but, but um, yeah, we make the point that um, Zinkenagel struggled against Seri. I mean, I think anyone in our team would would struggle yeah. against Seri. Seri was that that much better than everyone else on the pitch. But um, but Zinkenagel did struggle in that number ten role today. And I'm not saying that Carvalho wouldn't have done because, as you say, Seri was you know he was the the in a team full of quality players, he was the kind of the gold star. Yeah. Um, so Carvalho would have struggled against him, but I had been thinking over the last few days, if we're going to play this 3-4-1-2, does it mean that actually we do need to think about options? So Lolly's filled in as a number 10, and like he did today, like he did at Bristol City. Um, and that adds a different, you know, it's a different style of play when Lolly's mm. playing there. Um, but Zinc looks a bit leggy and a bit knackered yeah. as well, doesn't and, he? And again, I thought, Zinc looked tired after about 40 minutes today. I, I, I'm speculating it. I'm not sure that he's built for the physicality of an entire championship season. and there's not well, Maybe on the wing, but maybe not in the middle. Mm. Yeah, so um, do you think that... I mean, it's a classic thing to say, isn't it? You learn more about players and managers when they're losing than when they're winning. It's worth pointing out, the Forest team did get a round of applause at the end of the match... It was a resigned round of applause mm-hmm. and some people had left quite early. But it felt very different to all of those defeats under Chris Hewton, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was even down to when, when we were passing the ball backwards to try and keep possession in the second half. 4 nil down and passing the ball backwards and no one was complaining about it. Which, um, because we understood that that's the, way, the, the, that's the way we play rather than we're passing the ball backwards because we don't have a way of playing forwards. Mm, yeah, and it's worth pointing out as well that, um, you know, we talked about players who are looking leggy. Jed Spence in particular, he's just, he's just a machine, isn't he? <laughs> and, um, so him and Mighton and Lolly down the right-hand side, yeah, sure, it was a dead rubber at that point. We were losing, we were going to lose, but they still gave the Fulham, you know, left-hand side a little bit to think about. Mm-hmm. So there's... It, it, that didn't look like players who'd been who'd had their bubble burst, did yeah. it? I mean, uh, the the thing what it does reveal to me is yeah, if you want to stop this forest side, you stop Spence and Lowe. Sports Social Podcast Network.